Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the K-Fabe crew, Jesse Baker, Wesley Lawson. How y'all doing, boys? I can't complain. This, unlike last time, is my first shot of the day. <laughs> nice. Well, that's how you feeling, man. Hey, I'm feeling fantastic, feeling great tonight, ready to talk some wrestling. Talk about some wrestling, some old school wrestling. It's a, it's TNA's actual debut here on the show. Uh, we haven't never done a TNA show, so it's cool to do TNA Turning Point 2005 versus NXT Brooklyn 2015. Uh, a 15-year anniversary show going up against a five-year anniversary show. And I am super pumped about this one. So we're going to start it with the nostalgia show. Uh, yeah, it's, the year is 2005. Uh, and man, this opening package looked pretty 2005. Uh, it looked like they were still not quite on um, the HD level of, of, of their broadcasts, if you will. It was very DVD quality. Um, but it was what it was. Uh, I was pretty hyped for it. Hearing Mike Tanay's voice uh, that I haven't heard in quite a while was, was pretty cool. Uh, Wex, what did you think about this opening package for TNA Turning Point? Yeah, I mean, for a 2005 opening package, it got me pretty hyped. I mean, it was that yeah. classic, that old classic TNA production style, like you said, with the when you hear that voice, and it, it gave you a very nostalgic feel. I mean. For sure. For sure. Jesse, what do you think, bro? Oh, the opening package I loved. I mean, it, like... And, you know, it's kind of hard because a lot of their background at that point in time was still Nashville. So you see a whole bunch of stuff. And at one point you hear the Parthenon of pain. And I'm like, of course, we're going to, you know, I'm going to pop it that way. motherfucker. But yeah. I mean, I did think it was cool. Yeah, for sure. Match number one here. Speaking of kind of cool and I didn't had no idea that's what this show was. Um, but man, Abyss versus Sabu in a barbed wire death match thing. Barbed wire barbaric Bar something or other massacre wire massacre that's right that's what it was well wex since you know what the actual match was <laughs> why don't you lead us off here <laughs> uh yeah i was not really expecting anything like this but it was what it was it was like a fun bloody low level death match like it was yeah. not completely brutal to where it was like sickening but i mean they got they got pretty bloody and they they did their thing. I mean, some of the spots were a little cheesy here or there, but I mean, overall, I had a fun time with it. And Mike today kept putting over the point. I trust you have never seen anything like this on pay per view. He said it like four times. Yeah, I just thought yeah. that was pretty ridiculous. And but it was bloody, but not like too brutal. But just just for the fact that we get Sabu and they overdid it with the nut shots. I'm going to go two beers on this match. <laughs> two beers deep on this. Jesse, where you at? Dude, I'm a solid three. I thought it wasn't a bad opener. Um, and much like I say about other shows, I feel like in any other instance, it could have been served better to be at a different spot on the card. But with this setup, there's no way. Yeah. We had to reset no, everything. They eventually make a note of that. Um, Spot-wise, though, I mean, there's just a fucking lot of blood there's a lot of blood on this whole show but there's just like it, that that was the only thing it was not like the spots themselves were too crazy aside from like sabu's weird tope thing he pulled off was a little bit gut-wrenching and then that fucking flapjack towards the end of the match was oh insane but i really love james mitchell's work here for some reason i think it's because it sucked but it was like way overly hokey something about it i just love 
but yeah, so it's a it, it it's a three ski for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually right there with you because for me, I'm mostly like I'm not a super hardcore guy. I never really have been or will be like light tubes and CZW and that whole vibe has just never been my cup of tea personally. Uh, but this was almost like diet deathmatch. You know what I mean? Like it was like uh, it was like the crystal light of uh, the bloodbath. You know what I mean? It was like a, it's a nice little drop that you put in your water bottle. You know, just to give it a little bit of flavor. Wex, I know you like that stuff. So uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it was tons of tons of chair shots. I mean, the barbed wire alone kind of tells you it's gonna be bloody, and I, especially when you could tell pretty much right away that it, they were using actual barbed wire. You know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was weird that, that like I don't know how how you guys watched it, but I'm, I was on Impact Plus and like there were uh, I, I I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were spots where it like faded to black, and I thought it was a feed going out because I was like it's a pay per view, right? Like why would there be commercial breaks? But I it happened periodically throughout the show. Did you guys have that same experience? I mm-hmm. I do know why. Um, mm. So it's because all the stuff on the app it came from the Canadian broadcast. Okay. So it came from, like whatever it is up there, like Sky TV or TSN, yeah. whatever the fuck it is. And they, the way they aired it was different. They aired it with commercial breaks and things. And so that's what's all – everything on Impact Plus is that. Oh, okay. At okay, least that... up, up to a certain year. I had no clue. I was just like, yeah, what the okay. hell? Why does it keep fading yeah. out? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but surprisingly, man, I didn't hate this, like, for all those matches that I'm not into. And I think it's because it was so, like, you know – almost Disney gore, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't really that 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 brutal, but I felt like they, they got it all across without it being boring. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a solid three beers on this one, but let's jump over to the five-year anniversary, uh, and we open with Trips looking all stoic, his stoic ass just standing in the ring, talking on the lapel mic, crowd can't hear him. When he pulls a stick out of the back and does the whole We Are NXT thing and drops the mic. And that was a really cool moment. I remember ha- having that happen live. Um, I thought it was a super, super cool open there. Wex, what did you think about that open? Oh, classic. And, like, you could just feel the intensity and the energy from yeah. the crowd. Like, everybody was really behind it. That's when NXT was, like, at its hottest, I think. Oh, for sure, for sure. Jesse, where were you at on it? I felt like at this point, and there are several other examples of this throughout the show, too, I, I really felt as though they were capitalizing on hey, WWE's finally recognized that there's stuff that happens outside the WWE, and you guys appreciate it, so like to hear it, here it goes. And that's what it felt like to me, but it was awesome. Very well done. Yeah, man. Speaking of, like, reaching outside of WWE, like, that's kind of what they did with this opening match here. Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Jesse, give it to me, man. What do you think about this one? I love the match so much, and it's so hard for the first thing to think of not to be how how where what tyler has done since (laughs) i know it's it's so sad but um it you know jushin did his classic shit the crowd was super receptive to it everybody treated him like a legend the commentary put him over everybody was into it it kind of felt like if you're gonna choose tyler breeze to be the guy here then there did sincerely have to be some plans because this is jushin giving wwe kind of a rub you know like to come in totally yeah so I mean, it was four beers for me only because it, it probably would have scored higher. It was just kind of one of those situations of seeing that happen in the WWE style. And I'm not sure Breeze was ready to go. There's some of the timing stuff you see here and there that's a little bit off. So that's why it wasn't higher. But it was four. I thought it was a good open. It was sure. a good pace setter. Sure. Wex, where are we at on it? I'm also right there at four beers and some of the same reasons how... 
Liger did, you know, pull off all of his classic shit, but it was that WWE style, and it wasn't quite the classic Liger style, and a few of those sort of miscues, like those few little timing things he talked about. But also, I thought it was really cool, because at this point, Jushin Liger was still 50 years old doing this match, and I yeah. thought he looked great for being Fantastic, a 50-year-old yeah. dude out there. Still, like, I mean, he wasn't cutting a shooting star presses or anything, but no. he was still... You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't have, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. But he, I mean, dude, the crowd was so hot. I mean, just like, not just for that match, but, you know, as it goes on, but I mean, sick. And I really like Tyler Breeze's entrance because he always Loved did it. something like really cool and really funny. And just, I used to love that whole gimmick back when he was in the next love it. Yeah. just said, like, what has he done since? Like, he's one of the prime examples, which we will probably see many times throughout this pay per view of people who were on NXT and were hot as shit. And went to the main roster and just got fucking buried. So he's, Who he's pooed the, on. the first one. He's the yeah. first one that we'll talk about. Yeah, but for I'm sure. still going to go four beers just because it's Juice and Liger. How can you go anything less than four? With, like, I mean, oh, I mean, I have Liger tapping on my arm. So, I mean, oh, I, can't. I didn't know that. Wow. All right. Well, I went four and a half on this one. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that the, I actually thought that Liger, Liger worked more WWE style than even yeah. Breeze did. Like, he almost did. Like, he was the one kind of pandering to the crowd. I was like, almost, it almost made me feel like, man, I really wish the E had gotten a hold of him because he can clearly do this style. You know what I mean? Like, if he's not just a New Japan strong style guy, like, it would have been cool to see him have a, a decent run. I'm not even saying like years, but like, like an actual program leading to this takeover. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would have been a little cooler, but granted, he's, he was in the quote unquote twilight of his career. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, I mean, it's such a waste of an amazing talent in Tyler Breeze. I mean, the dude should have at least had a Ziggler level run, like at least a, a small side, like little title run and been like in the main event a few times. He definitely has that scope. He's definitely a good promo. Um, I mean, I think, I think Tyler Breeze is one of the more underrated stories of NXT period. Um, I thought, but yeah, I, I loved it. I actually thought the commentary was surprisingly really good as well. Uh, this was like Saxton and, and Graves. Like this is kind of their beginning. They're still like hungry. They're not like completely jaded by McMahon constantly barking in their ear. Um, yeah. But this was, I mean, it was great. I love that Liger did the Hogan pose after diving, after the dive. That popped me so hard. Um, Liger pose. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome too, because I remember when this match happened and hearing that like, you know, Liger could could had his pick of the roster to to work and like he chose to work with Tyler Breeze which is pretty that alone is enough of a rub this is a great example of a guy doing a job cleaning the ring for a legend and being elevated because of it because I think even in 2015 Tyler Breeze stock went up after this match you know what I mean so yeah I'm four and a half beers deep but let's bounce back over to 2005 uh man the four live crew promo in the back Holy hell, I'm like 18 years old again because I remember like that whole crew vividly from the fairgrounds, like very vividly. Um, I don't know, man. It was just it was it, it was kind of sad to see like Road Dog and a oh, obviously fucked up. You know what I mean? Like it, it just <laughs> that kind of that kind of made me a little sad. Um, but yeah, and it was a long, definitely a long uh, break here because of having to reset up the ring and everything. Uh, but the next match finally starts. I don't remember these guys as a tag team at all, but Roderick Strong and Alex Shelley. 
versus Austin Aries and another guy that like just kind of fell off out of nowhere, Matt Bentley. I remember being a big Bentley mark like in the at the Fairgrounds days. I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be massive. Like he's a Shawn Michaels like wow. relative. Like they're gonna, he's gonna. He's only going to be in TNA for a couple of years. They're going to give him a run on SmackDown or something, you know. Like I totally thought that was going to happen. It didn't. I think that guy like paves driveways now, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah, man, Wex, what do you think about this match? I mean, had some really good, great, talented people in the match as for we sure. talked. The work rate was solid. I really enjoyed everything in the match, and I, I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Roderick Strong had the Messiah of the Backbreaker gimmick name. Even back then, they kept putting it over in commentary. Yeah. And I kind of thought that was something that was a little bit newer, but I guess uh, I'm an idiot, and I didn't realize that it's been around since he was in TNA. But I thought it was a pretty cool match. You know, you got to see some of my some of my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. God damn it, I'm sounding like an idiot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, yeah, you got to see some of really cool favorite wrestlers, like, as they were young, doing some yeah. high-flying, like, like the more energetic hyper versions of themselves, except Roderick Strong looked very weird. He just his body just looked odd, like his head. I don't know how to explain it, but he just he just looked fucking weird right there. But overall, after HBK Light won with the super kick, I'm gonna go with three beers because it was a fun time. Rock and roll, Jesse. Where are you at with it? Uh, it was you know I I loved it. I I thought it was a four beer match. I don't know. I don't. I don't recall Strong and Shelly being a longtime tag team, and I really yeah. didn't get the vibe from here that they were. I, I felt like this was kind of put together and more like, hey, we're getting this steam. We got the celebrity on the show. Let's just get everybody in here, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I love Matt Bentley. You know, he was in the first Ultimate X match as Michael Shane. Yeah. Like, he was, yeah. you know, I mean, that, and I, I agree. I thought the moon was the destination for that dude. I really yeah, did. For sure. Like, but um, I thought everybody did really great work. Everybody was really strong. Aries looks smooth here, which I hate to even say, knowing what we know now. But totally. it's just, you know, one of those things. Lots of spots. Lots of double team work, even though, you know, not traditional tag team. So, yeah, it's a four for me. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm all kind of in the same boat on this one because I'm, I'm definitely um, I'm four beers deep on this one. I really feel like this is kind of the bridge. This match is the classic bridge between WCW Cruiserweight style and then, like, you know, the Zack Sabre Jr. and Ricochets of the world. This is, like, the, the evolutionary chain. Like, uh, I think without these kind of matches, you don't have the Zack Sabre Juniors or the Ricochets um, at all. I think that these guys were way more innovative in, in 2005 than they really get credit for. Like, this, these kind of X-Division matches really did kind of change a lot of the landscape of pro wrestling, especially in, the, in like, the early to mid-2000s. Uh, and sometimes that gets forgotten, but it shouldn't. Uh, I also think that the six-sided ring was super cool, and I think that like, I think that there's still a place for it somewhere. I think, I mean, I think Impact would do good to go back to it. I think that that would Triple H uses it still. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I mean, in the states, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, honestly, yeah, when Hogan came and changed it back to the four-sided ring, I was just like, yeah. man, what the, f- what is this bullshit? Come yeah, on. it was dumb, like, cause it's not even that, like. It's not even more steps because I was like really paying attention to the work rate, like going, going, you know, one side or the other. It's not more steps. So like, why? What is? How's it throwing off your timing? Like, are you just that disoriented and old that you couldn't hang? Because it's not like you're, it's not like you're running the ropes a lot e- either way, Hogan. It's not like you're doing springboards and you know what I mean. Like, you're you're gonna throw a couple punches and kicks and you know that's all you're doing at, at this point. But you know it was what it was. I mean I thought it was spotty as hell. This match overall, uh, that, that the powerbomb missile drop kick was sick. 
Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah, I loved it, man. Four beers for me. Very nostalgic. Um, good time for sure. Back on over to 2015 in Brooklyn. Definitely cool to see the click ringside. A nice little moment there um, for the ladies in the back as well. Kind of hyping up Bailey for her championship match. And the Nia Jax vignettes were actually great, too, even now knowing that she did not pan out to be the person that they really wanted her to be. I guess the jury is kind of still out on Nia Jax, but I think overall she's been kind of a bust. Nia Botch? Nia Botch. Uh, <laughs> she just likes to, you yeah. know, hit people, you know, give people concussions and break people's people. noses. And... and ribs. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Well, uh, speaking of guys that were sadly kind of known for botches, they didn't really pull off any in this one, but the VOD villains uh, with blue pants here versus Bamf. Or the Blex, Alexa, and or, or what is it? Blake, Alexa, and Murphy. Yeah. You know, like whatever that is. Uh, it was it was kind of weird, but anyway, it's the NXT Tag Team Championship match here. Jesse, what do you think about Vaude Villains versus uh, Blake and Murphy? It's funny to look back at. I, I remember watching this at the time and being like, "Hey, comparatively, this ain't so bad." And I, I went back and watched it, and it's not that it's bad. It's just kind of. Out of out of pretty much any of the matches on this particular card, it was I'd say the second most in the middle for me. Um, just in the <sighs> sense of I didn't really care so much. It is funny to look back on that, and who would have guessed that out of everybody involved in that, Alexa Bliss would become far and away the biggest star. Star, yeah. I mean, like if you're looking at a star, she got it. So kudos to her for that. Gotch, I've always thought Gotch looked great in the ring for the most part. Um, it's just, I've never really cared that much for Adrian. Like, yeah. it was, you know, it's, it, there's lots of weird, non-smooth looking spots. I mean, I guess he's an okay hand or whatever. I just never really gave a shit. The, the other team never did it for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's a two for me. They didn't do bad, bad, bad work. It just, ugh. Yeah, kind of there. Yeah. Wax, what did you think, man? I thought it was a pretty fun match. And I, in my opinion, you know, I was a pretty big fan of the VOD villains. And I remember that spot where, you know, they couldn't because I remember watching NXT at the time in the storyline. They needed the partner. And when Blue Pants, Leva Bates came out, like just how big the crowd popped for it. And it was just I remember it being really cool. So kind of took me back back to that. But I mean, some of the spots, like you said, from Aiden English and some of the stuff didn't look so, so smooth or whatever. But. You know, Murphy's a really good worker, and they all, every, I mean, most of the spots look pretty good in the match. I thought it was a pretty good work rate. And I think that, uh, obviously, if we're going to talk about, uh, you know, your Marty Jannetty's, uh, Wesley Blake, you know, yeah. of course, he has to share the first name as me, is clearly your <laughs> Marty Jannetty of this tag team. Definitely. Because, I mean, that's just, I mean, what does he do now? I mean, wasn't he in that thing, The Forgotten Sons on NXT, and then that just kind of got buried? Yeah, I they had still a guy who's a big old trumper and offended a bunch of people in the back, and they got taken off TV, and I don't know what the hell is happening with them now, but... Yeah, well, well you know. I think the VOD villains would, like, would, like, if they were a team that was in AEW today, like, in their tag division, I think that they'd be, like, a cool team that would fit them. Totally. Because they have that, like, gim- they have a gimmick. Yeah, 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 totally. I think the guy you're talking about from the Forgotten Sons is Gunner. Uh, he was in TNA as Gunner. I think he was that guy. Oh, but, yeah. you know, Gunner, the guy that does jobs, and his president did a job, too. So here we are now. Um, three beers on the match. I enjoyed it. Three beers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm literally right there in the middle with you, too. I'm, I'm three beers deep. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I, I had the same notes about Bliss Beasley being like, you know, the most overworker in the entire lot, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but I actually thought Blake and Murphy had legs. I really remember enjoying them a lot as a tag team. I liked the, the this trio. I thought they worked really well together. Um, I mean, I, I've always been a Murphy supporter. Uh, and I thought, like, so to me it was just weird because I felt like this team just stopped. Like, there was no big breakup or any. It just stopped happening. Like, I thought that was kind of strange. One of, them got, one of them got injured, and then they just kind of, like, went off TV and never came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty much what happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gotch was better than I remember here for sure, and Aiden was sadly worse somehow than I remembered. Uh, it, it it will be interesting to see now, though, like, once the world opens back up, if those dudes start tagging together again, because I know they're both, you know, free agents or whatever. I don't know if they have any kind of relationship, but I feel like the money could still be there for, like, a vaudeville and you know, FTR, they could just call them the villains versus FTR or whatever. It'd be a nice little nostalgia pop, even if it was just for a one shot to keep putting FTR over. Gotcha's um, been like heavy on MLW ever since though. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. He was doing that stuff with Lawler, right? The, yep. uh, and that MMA team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, man. I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised cause I expected it to be worse than it was. So I was kind of, I was, I was three beers deep on it. It was uh, almost like the popcorn match. It was definitely the feel-good moment because it's like, okay, your vaudevillains, your over baby faces with blue pants get, you know, they get the win, and uh, it was exactly. a nice clean finish. And I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the booking. I thought this whole show was booked really well. Let's go back on over here to 2005, though. Yeah, speaking of not booked very well, though, uh, we have a, a Monty Brown promo in the back, and that dude is garbage <laughs> on the mic. It just made no sense. Like, what are you doing, man? What are you saying? It just, it's kind of sad. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I remember people being, like, high on Monty Brown back in the day, and I always thought he was trash. I never th- I never liked his whole pounce thing. I thought that's so dumb. Like, I don't know. It just it never worked out for me. And then Jarrett had his own promo, which was absolute garbage. Like, he was a terrible on the mic, like just awful. It was really bad. Uh, it was painful to watch. Like I felt, it was one of those moments where like I had to look away because I felt embarrassed for the talent on the screen. You know what I mean? Like I felt so awkward just watching it. Any notes on those promos? Did you guys kind of have the same vibe or? I can't say that I didn't enjoy Monty Brown because I really, I, I enjoy the shit out of Monty Brown, honestly, and I always did. But his promos during this era, I, I don't know that his promo ever got better. I don't know. Like, I, I can't swear on that. I can't I can't swear that he ever got good at that. I said like his in-ring work and his whole presentation, I think, was like a little heater away from being top notch. But it was it was pretty trash. Jarrett, man, at that point in time, it didn't surprise me. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. How did Shane Douglas get stuck doing backstage interviewer segments in 2005? I think this is when he was still pulled up and he. Yeah. Oh yeah, he well yeah of course well TNA was will hire anybody at that point so I mean fucking everybody hated Shane Douglas at that point. <laughs> I mean, I mean Road Dog was probably pilled. You up say that you say times. that as as if it's past tense, but um, well yeah well you know what I'm saying like I'm it, by then I guess is the correct way. To okay know. there you go yeah that makes sense. <laughs> a little more sense but the max next match on the card this is why okay it's it's booked really poorly because first of all. Booking Raven as a white meat baby face is never a good idea. When his whole thing is being lazy and like not giving a fuck, like you cannot make him a baby face. And like him trying so hard to be a hype baby face felt painfully awkward to me. Uh, it was cool to see Canyon. I kind of tugged at my heartstrings because I didn't expect it. And I was like, oh man, I miss, I miss Canyon. He was very innovative too, especially for being like 
more obviously not in any any way related to like the cruiserweight or X Division style, but very much like in a uh, you know that late '90s like kind of bigger man still the beginning of sports entertainment wrestling. I still I felt like he was kind of innovative with his spots, but honestly like it was booked backwards to me. You know what I mean? Like it was like it almost felt like Canyon was the surprise and people wanted to cheer for him. They but, were. Yeah, but Raven was the baby face. So it's like this match would have been way better if they had just flipped roles. Like it would have been way better if Raven had just worked heel and and Can- I mean Canyon busted his ass, but it was just I don't know. It was it, it was too hard of a push and a who too big of a stretch to make Raven, especially especially at this point in his career, a white meat baby face. So for me, I gave it two beers. Wex, where were you at on it? I'm pretty much almost in the same boat as you, but I only went three beers just because I got to see a Chris Canyon match, and that was his last pay per view match he ever had. Such period. I think he maybe was on a PWG show once after that, but that's about it. I think I, that's what I looked up. I don't think anything like notable after that. That was his last pay-per-view appearance. And you notice that sick-ass Mortis vest he was wearing? That was, that was airbrushed? That was fucking... I was I popped for that one. And I was confused. Like, they... it Was it a hardcore match? Like, they... Or no DQ? They just, like, started using weapons, like, for no... Like, and it was okay? As it just kind of... Yeah. Like, rules, man. No, I think it's, rules, I, yeah, I think it's a Ravens rules match always. In yeah, it's called... The rate and each the name they changed the D they changed it to the Raven effect DDT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I thought it was the Raven effect. It was the Raven effect while he was in uh, WWE too. And in right. WCW, it was WCW. even flowing WCW, wasn't it? Maybe uh, you you might have called me on that one. I don't know. I know it was in WWF though. Yeah, and W that's that's what I'm thinking about WWF. I mean, like you said, some va- like his spots, like the things he was doing, like it was very innovative for the time. That top rope, like. Famouser, it's like a famouser, or like kind of what Kenny Omega does, the Katora Crusher, but it was from the top rope. Like that was fucking sick. I don't know what what do you even call that. Like, did he have a name for it? Yeah, I, I, I would have just called it like the top rope falling famouser, I guess. Like yeah. the Grand Canyon. That's what you call it. The Grand Canyon. I love it. I love that. That's nice. <laughs> nice and tasty. R.I.P. Canyon. Jesse, what do you think about this one, man? I I hate that we so much agreement is going on here, but you know I. I did literally give it three beers just, for, just to see Canyon. I, I mean, it was literally three because he was there. Because when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those weird things. They introduce a jobber, just get a storyline over in three seconds. Because I didn't really hear what they said. Yeah. And they said, yeah. Chris A. And I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is this shit? And then, then it, Canyon walks out. I was like, holy fuck. I completely yeah. forgot. And I know I watched this when it happened, but I completely forgot about it. Um, the whole angle was Zabisco and Raven, all, the whole program around it didn't make any sense to me, frankly. It was just, yeah. you know, Zabisco as an authoritarian heel really kind of doesn't work doesn't either. doesn't make any sense. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could even written the exact same angle, like, would just make Zabisco, like, the sympathetic baby face that's trying to, like, you know, get, like, a sense of order or whatever and have Raven just be the, you could literally do the exact same angle, yeah. just rolls reverse. Like, I don't know. I will say they did work a tough match, and I do feel like there was a point where Raven got his mouth busted open and got a little bit of that, like, big show red ass and started working a little bit stiffer than he ought to have. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's it's three for me. Well, let's jump back on over to the uh, NXT show here. Uh, Balor is in the back. He's arriving uh, with, I guess, Pac now, or, or, you know, Neville as he was called then. Uh, and also cool to kind of see Cesaro and the three of them kind of have that moment. 
Um, also, they kind of pointed out some more celebrities, and Rick Rubin was in the crowd, which is a yeah. pop for all of us as music fans, for sure. And Smoky uh, Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 and Smoky Mountain, that's true. Uh, so on to the next one here, though. It's Ty Dillinger, The Perfect Ten, versus a debuting Apollo Crews. Man, can we just keep going down the list and checking them off? Jesse Baker, what do you think about Ty Dillinger versus Apollo Crews here? I'm probably biased because I liked Uha so much, but I fucking hated this. Like, mostly because I felt like there were so many other ways that you could help get him over, but you put him in, like, a not really even competitive match, and Ty Dillinger keeps sliding down, and yada, 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 and I, I just didn't feel like it was effective for either guy. Um, it, it just seemed like a lot of hype that made no sense to me. It, I, it is, this is a one beer for me. I just did, I, I didn't think it did anything for them. I mean, it's cool to see him to see Apollo do his stuff in front of that crowd. Well, a lot of people probably had not seen that, but it just I don't know if it was placement or what. It just did not serve the purpose to me. Kind of agree with you, and I feel like that's the theme of the show. But Wex, where are you at on it? I don't know. I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I don't think it like made each guy look worse or anything after the match or anything. Like I both they. I thought they both went out still pretty strong. Like they both, they both were over with the crowd, you know, like in their own way, in their heel and face way. They were working it pretty good. I mean, even just, I mean, I, I, I kind of know what you're saying. Like since you're a big fan of him, like when he came, he's doing all this stuff. Like I mean, he's they're working the WWE style. I feel like more instead of just kind of doing what they could really do. But overall, I mean, they still, I mean, it wasn't bad. I, I don't just, like. Could you make either guy look worse? Like Ty Dillinger already looked pretty bad to everybody in his positioning for the majority of that period of time, and but, then follows brand new. So it's but like one thing I will say, even though this match was pretty cool and I thought they both showed off what they could do, they're both in their respective companies pretty much stuck in mid card hell, right? Like they're both just like. Yeah, they're both kind of in that same spot. I agree. They're not like at the bottom, but they're not really at the. They're just kind of like. I think some arguments could be made about the bottom, to be frank. But <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, for me though, the the Dillinger Cruz match, I I mean, I thought it was bad actually. I th- I thought that like I thought there was a lot of awkward dead space. I thought the timing felt like a little off. Uh, maybe it's just their chemistry in in general, but they I just don't feel like they clicked. Like the, those two workers just didn't click together. Uh, maybe maybe it was a lot of nerves for Apollo. I mean, it's probably at this point, this is probably easily the biggest crowd he's ever performed in front of. Um, and you could kind of see, like, even on they did a close up of his face in the intro, and you could see his actual like lip quivering when he was like yelling at the crowd. And I was like, he is nervous. Like, I could just see, I could just see it. And once I saw that on his intro, I think that affected how I watched the match. And so I think that's how I noticed, like, and how, dude, how, like, okay, like. Look, I get that like he's a he's a big powerful black dude and he does like a standing moonsault and like that's impressive, but the finish? You beat Ty Dillinger with a standing moonsault? Like I don't know, man. Like that yeah, I agree. I I I thought this was shit. I gave it I gave it I, mean, I gave it one match just because like or one beer just because I thought like, you know, there wasn't any major botches, but I it did feel clunky. It wasn't very smooth to me. Um but Jesus Christ, if we can talk about things that were not smooth at all, let's <laughs> jump back over to uh, the, T- the TNA show. And uh, man, this, uh, this Team Canada Jeff Jarrett promo, again, garbage promo. God, Jarrett, like really bad at this point on the mic. Like, I mean, just not good at all. Uh, the promo was real bad. And then the match here is 
Team Canada versus Four Live Crew. Wex, what do you think about the Four Live Crew? Another podcast, another Ron the Truth Killings rap intro that takes a long time. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, uh, this match. People on the team. Yeah. Jeez, this match. I mean, it was a big, sloppy, chaotic mess with fun little spots tossed here or there. I mean, I can't really... Yeah. It sucked. I mean, yeah. Road Dog. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's sad to see Road Dog. He just looked like shit. You could tell Dude, he was all fucked yeah. up. Yeah, he yeah. Was, but the thing is, it's like, you're not Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels can be pilled up, be fucked, and still put on a great match. Like, Road Dog, nah, buddy. You can't pull no, it off. Yeah, you cannot pull it off. You do not have the look for it. You don't honestly have the work rate for it. And like you're, the, not, you're older. You're in worse shape. It's yes. just it's not working out for you. But I mean, you know, you're in great shape. Fucking Kit James. Uh, oh yeah. Billy Gunn. He was probably just as pilled up, but he's he looked in great shape, so it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Didn't matter. A, and he did. When has Billy Gunn good. ever looked like shit though? Like ever? <laughs> like yeah, never. Like. And I noticed he did a he did a fucking jackhammer for a one count. Yeah, that's. I was just like, what the what fuck is, is this match? So yeah, I give it, I give it a beer for nostalgia. It was fucking a, a goddamn mess. The 90s were still dying slowly in 2005, I feel like. Uh, it was a cool, like, it was cool to see the mix of wrestlers, especially knowing where, like, EY and Rude would eventually turn up and then see them against, like, Attitude Era guys, essentially. But I don't know, man. And then, like, the whole Conan swerve at the end. Oh, God. It was just, the finish was just really weird, and it definitely hurt the match, too. God, I mean, Road Dog looks so slow. And, and let's be honest, man. Like, Road Dog made his claim to fame. The reason what made him so good was taking an ass beating. Like, that's what he was so good at. Like, that's how he got over. Like, he was good on the mic, and he just got his ass whipped. He was never a really good offensive maneuver guy. He had a couple punches, the little shimmies, and, like, his little waggy, waggy-legged knee drop or whatever. You know, we, that's all he had. Like, he wasn't – he was not known as an offensive guru. Like, he just got his ass beat really well. And when you are too slow to feed the comeback, you were kind of worthless. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he just, it, he looked, he just looked really, really rough. Man, yeah, not good. Jesse, what would you think about this one? I think one big thing about it, you start getting into the realm of everybody. You got four live crew, and they all have to say some shit on the microphone. Like, at length. All four of them. Like, yo, let me speak on this. It works if it's a it works if it's a nostalgia act. Like if you're doing it with fucking Hunter and Sean and everybody or whatever, then I guess yeah, whatever. Yeah. And to me, it really still kind of doesn't work, but I understand why they do it. Here, yikes! Like that oh, was man. not a good thing. I do think it's funny that this is five years after the Survivor Series that we covered on the last episode, and three of the same members are on the Four Live Crew team, and we <laughs> replaced China with Conan. Which, to be honest, I'm not sure which one's better. Yeah. <laughs> same, 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 same. I could say Conan if it wasn't 2005. I could say Conan if, it, I mean, if you're talking like 1997, 1998, and all day, but like, <laughs> like yeah, 2005, not so much. Yeah, those chair shots were obviously. Ooh. I mean, that was their attempt to catch up with the brutality that was already happening on the card earlier that night. It, it made me kind of sick to watch, frankly. Yeah. Right before the match, in that very shitty, terrible promo. We got to see Scott Demore slap the shit out of Eric Young's mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I personally love that. I'm a big fan of the Good Brothers and on their podcast, Talking Shop. Check it out, tnsmanian.com, any of their other stuff you guys want to be a part of. But there's there's a pretty long told story about a fight that occurred between Big LG and Scott Demore when Big LG was drunk and Scott Demore slapped the shit out of him and proceeded to take care of himself in that fight, which I think if you look at the two of them, it's still funny to everybody to this day. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it reminded me of that. The match was nothing. I always forget A1's name. It's like a Canadian guy named oh, after okay. fucking steak sauce. He was on Team Canada. It's like, you know, who gives a shit? <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I, I literally wrote down 1.2 beers just because I thought the math should be different than a different match. 1.2 beers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like two beers deep here. It was not good for me at all. But, dude, okay, let's just keep it rolling on this show since we're going to just cluster these shitty multi-man tag matches all together. Dude, is Elix Skipper not Michael Jackson as a pro wrestler? Yeah. I mean, damn, I'm going to whip his ass. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Like, what do you mean? Why well, is that voice? That I will never forget the first time I heard him talk at, at the fairgrounds. And I, 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 like, I was like, is, is he ribbon? Like, is this a joke? Like, what is up with that, bro? Oh, man. Good God. Like, okay. So also we ha- so we have and this is the same one with like the uh, the baseball guys in here too right the base brawl is what this is called oh base brawl the base, base brawl. brawl which yeah, like so- Don West perfect voice to promote the fucking base <laughs> brawl he's like trying to sell cards during the thing pretty much like it's I insane. fucking love it I love it man it's Dutt Sanjay Dutt Chris Saban and was it Dale Torborg Torborg. Torborg, right. Who was the de- yeah, he was the demon, the, the kiss, the kiss demon, demon in WCW. Yeah, that's which is even crazier to me that he ended up on a like working as a strength and conditioning coach on an actual legitimate sports team. Good for him. Uh that's kind of an upgrade actually. Uh so Elix Skipper, uh Simon Diamond and David Young. Shout out David Young, man, especially around Nashville. He definitely paid his dues in the the local scene for a long time. One of the sweetest guys on earth, who very nice to me when I was attempting to be a stick figure of a pro wrestler back around these these times. And he was a very big sweetheart to me, too. But yeah, I mean, so honestly, I think I graded it a little bit nicer just because... I wanted to give David a, a rub, but honestly, like I gave it a beer and a half and that's as nice as I could possibly be to this match. Cause it was a shit show. The, 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 the clashing and styles was really awkward. And I mean, Sanjay Dutt just straight got his ass beat and took some crazy stiff bumps on his head. <laughs> Jesse, what do you think about this one, man? So I went beer and a half and I, and, and that was, that was not me trying to be nice. It was me recognizing more that, I kind of was trying to take the time period of TNA's development in hand. Yeah. And I got to say, as much as I hate this celebrity tie-in bullshit, it helps. the fact that you have so many people in the office, and including Jarrett and all these other higher-ups, that were in the dying days of WCW. So they're in well with Torborg. They know him, yada, yada, yada. If you're looking at the opportunity to bring other people in, and you have a legitimate strength and conditioning coach for that year's national champions, who you know as a wrestler – and yes, he may be out of wrestling ring shape, but you could get by. Yeah. Why the fuck not? I mean, I hate them. Like, I hate these ideas. I hate these celebrity gimmick matches. But it yeah. was a very good idea in terms sure. of yeah. different crowd, so on and so forth. That whole whatever they did. I didn't recognize that it was a home plate that AJ Krasinski hit the guy with until and like, it was like a legit home plate, too, dude. He like yeah. waffled, waffled him with it. 
Yeah, you know, they, that was one of those things that they probably in the back, they were like, hey, just Ooh. so you know, lay this the fuck in. Yeah, oh, yeah. But it was a beer and a half. I, I, it, it did what it was supposed to do, I think, you know, for TNA. It, was, it got eyes on it, and it didn't matter what it looked like after the fact. Lex, give it to me. What do you think, bro? All right, the one thing, the one thing that majorly caught me for this match was Bobby the fucking brain Heenan coming down and getting on commentary. Thank like one you, of the 100%. last last times we probably ever got to see him like do the, anything. This is the really. last performance on television that he ever had. I like I, I didn't expect that, and I was just like, holy fucking shit! So automatically, I'm gonna like give it a little bit of something because of that. And I mean, like you said, there was some crazy shit. Did you see when Chris Saban dropped Elix Skipper right on his head? That was. Yeah. Pretty fucking, and they were like, he dropped him right on his head. Yeah, Yeah, just call that, call that out for what it is, because that is what happened. And then I did pop for one thing that she, uh, uh, one thing that Bobby Heenan mentioned on commentary when he talked about Chicago, because he was, I guess he lived there for a while. He said he used to hang out with the original Sheik, who is Sabu's uncle, who was the first match on the card. Which I thought that Ooh, was cool. Yeah, nice. So that's true. It's a nice little, nice little tasty call back there. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and give this thing two beers for the drop on the head thing and Bobby Heenan. Okay, two beers is fair. It was nice hearing Bobby for sure. I loved how they started talking about like uh, Creed. Like I guess uh, Torborg used to, and, and and Heenan was just like. Why are we talking about rock bands? And I was like, thank you, Bobby. I love you so much. Like, he also, uh, he got one in there, too, about talking about how much fun he'd had Chicago before. And somebody was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to hang out in you, Chicago. He's like, I don't know. Did you ever meet the Wachowski sisters? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> love it, dude. Yeah, you could definitely tell that his brain was still as sharp as attack for sure. But on the other side here, we get a little cameo from the Tough Enough contestants. And we see a very fresh Mandy Rose in the crowd. Nice Ooh. little callback. But then the next match on the card here is an old TNA staple. We're also going to see him on the TNA show. It's Samoa Joe versus Baron Corbin. Woo! Man, I will say I do – like, if, if there is any version of Baron Corbin that is tolerable, it's this version. Like, I, 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 miss, I miss this guy. I mean, the beautiful skeleton that he had, just absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> I mean, all jokes aside, I, I mean, I, I, thought, I thought his entrance was really good. I thought Corbin – he was working well. Like I, I feel like he was bell to bell much better than he is now, which is kind of strange. Like, but yeah, I mean, Joe. I mean, obviously you're working Samoa Joe. You're not gonna have a bad match. It was really stiff. I thought they worked really snug. There was some really good submission spots too. It, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by this match. I gave it three and a half beers. I really, really enjoyed it. Jesse, where where are you at on this one? I I gave it three and three quarters of a beer. Okay, all right, there we go. <laughs> Mostly for the same reasons. Again, this by far and away my favorite version of the idea of what Baron Corbin could have been. I don't know that they can bring him back at this point. I, no. I think his lack of mic work during a lot of it probably helped him out up until True. they moved yeah. him. Um, yeah. Also, yet another example, pretty badass theme song there for a little while. And then it just became this weird like Finger 11 Kane level thing. That's that, awesome. Dude. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's it's weird to see like, and, and and perhaps this is one of those things where this is how they move everything from those of us who watch a lot of wrestling, care a lot about wrestling, and, and perhaps one or two other things into what some other mainstream folks might say, whoever they survey. Some right. I don't know because I'm not that person. The person right. I am 
really like this version of Baron Corbin. I agree that he worked well in the sense that he had his things that were up and he wasn't like a work rate guy, but he worked really well and he stuck to that. Instead right. of yeah. you know, running around and trying to be extra heavy on the mic and extra intimidating. I'm like, that doesn't work for me. But Joe obviously worked well because Joe. I just it it I think it did Joe a favor. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah. in that instance, because Corbin was one of the biggest NXT guys. Now, if you fast forward to that now, it wouldn't have done Joe a favor. <laughs> yeah. No, sure. Yeah, but at the time, I think I think it definitely served its purpose for sure. Wex, where you at on it, man? Yeah, I mean, like I said, and like you said, same thing. My very first note was, wow, his old song is so much better than his new butt rock song that he has now. Agreed. Agreed like, fully. Literally, like, as soon as you said that, and, like, the old Corbin, like, the way he worked, I don't want to say the exact same things you guys are saying, but it's like, feel like it's the same thing the entire, like, podcast because we keep del- agreeing on everything. Like, I like that, like, kind of slow, meticulous pace that they worked. Like, it wasn't necessarily, like, slow boring but it was like you know they really laid everything in all the holes were like you know yeah. a very deliberate pace if yes. you want to say yeah, it like yeah, yeah. and for for a baron corbin match i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm gonna go trace beers on this one three beers on this one all right all right so we're, we're whole card has been pretty solid pretty yeah I, th- I think we're all smooth sailing here with our uh i think we're all kind of on the same page Hello, uh, let's, let's let's ask this really, if you don't mind my pause for a second here. Let's sure. just ask this. Since we're since we're all on the same fucking train on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Baron Corbin specifically. Okay. Do we think he and possibly other talents have been a victim of WWE main roster knowing something we don't about the folks that are not wrestling fans? Now, if you don't look at the rate if you look at the ratings, then it seems like we're probably we're all in the right here. Yeah. It just puzzles me because it happens to fucking so many of them. And curious as to you guys' thoughts. Well, I mean, I think Bruce just kind of says it best. Like, you know, Vince wants it to be his own thing. He wants it to be his thing. If Vince didn't come up with it, he doesn't want to use it. So, like, to him, the NXT guys are still developmental. And it's like, if, it, if it's over in NXT, he has to change it. He has to. I mean, literally every single person that he's brought up every single person that he's brought up he's changed something everything so like yeah. i mean it's I, I i agree i mean i think that i but i think that this i mean it's not not just singling out baron corbin i think we could literally say that about every single like on this show i mean we could talk about ba- i mean i'm sure we will talk about balor and we'll talk about um you know owens even to an extent especially now like i think owens has kind of had one of the better runs from the nxt guys but now yeah. It's the Vince effect. It's like, yeah. It's the fucking Vince effect. It's like the, even the people that are successful, like, it's com- they're completely different than how they started. Like, if they did somehow get a new gimmick and it worked, they got lucky. But like a lot of the times, like they just like stick them with fucking trash or just like book them terribly. Like, yeah. Like we'll get. I'll definitely get into that once we get down to some of the other people. But like you're right. It's like the Vince effect. Once he is not high on them anymore or doesn't like believe in them. It's just like they're fucking buried and it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I guess my point being is, is it, are they buried? Is it worse? Or are we just so stuck in what we think about wrestling that we're wrong? You mean um, like you think overall is Baron Corbin, like 
more over now, period, just because he is where he is at on the main roster and all that? Or like, I think if you're looking at the overall pitch of the company and what they want to present themselves as and the level of, of star power and whoever the fuck it is that they want to be on top and all that other stuff, all these other factors, are we the ones that are beyond the pale to the point that we misunderstand why these decisions have been more valid than what we think? That's pretty I don't deep. Know. I can't even answer that one. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question, though, for sure. It's I something mean, to think about. I've been trying yeah. to look at it that way lately. Because I've, like, I've been trying to go back and look at, like, you got to look at what, what WWE is based on, largely in the modern era. It's Hulk fucking Hogan. Yeah. What else was, what, what, what other company was also based on Hulk Hogan that was the only company to ever hurt them at all, you know? WCW. WCW. Yeah. It's like, what do you, so it's kind of looking at it, how the general world understands wrestling as a whole, it's almost hard to argue, like, is that what they're doing? (laughs) Anyway, sorry for the derail. I will say, I will say, though, I do feel like uh, back here on the other side, we finally get a little break on the shitty promos and get a pretty decent one. Um, I, I mean, Christian delivered a really, really great promo, like a really good promo. And this was some of the best work of his career. He's obviously super hungry, and I think he's trying to prove to everybody that he is a main event guy. Uh, and he is. Uh, I mean, he's. I mean, it was real. I thought it was. I mean, I absolutely love that I got to see like this match, this Christian Cage, like super hungry Christian, like really working his ass off uh, because he is. I mean, especially bell to bell, phenomenal, and all obviously really good on the mic too. Uh, I know Christian's one of your favorite guys jesse so go ahead and, and give it give it to me what do you think about monty brown versus christian here this is a five star for me and the only reason it or five beer sorry for me and the only reason it wasn't a six is because uh it, it, another example of like monty was almost there but wasn't quite ready handful of weird timing things again that i just thought like that in this instance it didn't hurt like the wrestling work rate it just hurt the story of the match to me that they're the timing things that i saw but man all of christian's spots were super on point everything was delivered crisp you can tell he was in there to do that he elevated monty in oh, a big for sure. way. uh i did not think that monty worked poorly in, in this era at all i thought that he had the capability of putting on a good match probably just because of who he was surrounded by but i i, I thought it was absolutely fantastic the story the the vet you know the whole serengeti shit or whatever christian was on point so much that it is still a five beer match to me Wex, where you at on it? I was. I only went four beers, and the only reason I didn't go four beers is because like I just don't really like Monty Brown that much. I he's one of my notes is Monty Brown is nothing to write home about, but I wrote about him on a piece of paper, so <laughs> I don't know how that works. But uh, besides that, I worked at like I like the whole story of like his power versus his like Christian's veteran prowess and his speed and like all the big spots, and I really popped for the frog splash and the Eddie chant that we got. And this was 2005, so was this – what point? What month of 2005 was this? This is the end of 2005, so I'm pretty sure this is past, past Eddie. So, yeah, it must have, yeah, so that's like – got, they, got they got a pretty big pop for the frog splash, and yeah. yeah, I thought it was a fun match. Four beers. Captain well, Chris saves the day. This is where we are definitely going to disagree because I love – Christian, I thought it was cool to see him hungry, but I thought Monty Brown was absolute trash. I thought he was. I thought he, I thought he missed a bunch of spots. I thought the timing was really awkward. I, I mean, there was some crisp stuff, 
But to me, it was crisp when Christian was literally just laying shit in because Bonnie Brown was like missing shit. Like, I mean, I, I mean, it was it wasn't like it wasn't a terrible match because Christian carried his ass through it. Uh, but like, I gave it two beers. I mean, and like, it was only two beers because I felt like Christian busted his ass. And and I do agree that frog splash it looked beautiful. Like yes. it was, I mean, it was it was really well done. I love Christian, especially in this era. Two beers for me, though. Monty Brown, I could literally do without his career, period, and not miss him at all. So That's what most fans did, so it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's hop back over here. It's 2015, though, and this is the beginning of something that we are literally still seeing today. Five fucking years of this, but honestly, this is the OG, and this is, you know... It, it, in my opinion, this is their best match, including the Hell in the Cells. Like, this is their best match. Bailey versus Sasha Banks for the NXT Women's Championship. This is where it all started, man. Um, I mean, I, I think that this is kind of, I, it's, it's an unarguable classic at this point. I think that it's like this is a this is a match that you show to kind of say, hey, this is how great NXT was. And to me, this is a top five NXT match of all time in NXT. I think it was just a phenomenal match. Full six beers for me. Like, absolutely loved it. I, I thought the hand spot in the ring steps was super innovative at the time. Um, I, and just to kind of see that from, you know, from the women's division. Because this is still all brand new for them to be this good. This, like, you know what I mean? Like, this was a, still a brand new feeling in, in 2015. At least in WWE. Maybe not in the indies, but in WWE, this is definitely, uh, you know, a, a very fresh thing. Uh, man, Bailey missing that Frankensteiner and damn near dying was brutal, but also kind of added to the sympathy somehow. It's almost like the botch worked in their favor. Um, and that Poison Rana off the top was just vicious. Uh, and then right into the Bailey Belly for the finish. Uh, clean finish. Absolutely loved it. Couldn't have been better. Chef's kiss. Jesse Baker, what did you think about this Bailey versus Sasha Banks NXT Women's Championship? I mean, I, 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 at this point, I have to be a wrestling fan just like everybody else. So, yes, full six. Um, the, again, we found this trend. These are the best versions of these characters. Like, these yeah. are the best versions of these people. Yep, 100%. Even down to the entrances, which I think is a yeah. big part of, you know, this is a big part of that dusty salt coming off on all these kids. And then when they go to the main roster, it's gone. And now it doesn't exist for anybody anymore. And you start to see a lot of things fall apart. Yeah, and I agree. The uh, Bailey's dude, that crowd was nuts for Bailey, and they were nuts for Sasha, but they were nuts for Sasha in a heel way still. I mean, it was yeah. like, how could that? That was the like the closest thing to a shitbag tiny dick Miz entrance that you could get for somebody who has not been around the business near as long. Yeah, where everybody was like, I don't know if I hate you or I love you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally, totally. I, but she uh, wore it well too. She, uh, goddamn right she did it was <laughs> like yeah, buddy. but it was a very uh, you know I, I i just watching the whole thing i thought beat for beat it was great and even with their slip-ups it was one of those scenarios of watching how quickly they came back from those things and at this time nxt still truly a developmental league like oh yeah yeah the, the watching how everybody came back from it and still turned it into this great match where the botches weren't so bad that it's like oh somebody's going to think this person sucks about this or whatever. Like yeah. there weren't criminal injuries. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say. I thought it was an incredibly told, uh, incredibly told story and it's six beers for me. Absolutely. Wex, where are you at on it? 
I'm going to have to agree with both of you. Of course, of course. Fantastic fucking match. One of the probably, like you said, greatest match of all time. Six beers. I'm going to drink six and maybe shotgun an extra one because this is a fucking great match. Like, probably one of the greatest women's matches of all time that I'll, in, in my opinion. I don't know if my opinion matters that much, but. Like, everything leading up to this match, because I used to watch NXT, like, religiously at this point. Like, every Wednesday Definitely. night, oh, I yeah. always watched it. And, like, like the whole story, like, just leading up to it and everything. Like, Sasha been the champion for, oh, like, good. six, seven months at that point. And they told, like, they told a story leading into it. The match told the great story of just her being just, like, a bitch heel and just, just talking shit to her. And, like, I love some of that audible you could, like, hear in the corner, like, you're a fucking cat, like, you're a coward, and, like, you're a loser, and, like, all that shit, like, it just added to it. Yeah. It was fantastic. The work rate, the Poison Rana, like, that's the fucking, like, oh, that finish, the Poison Rana, the Bailey to belly. God, like, such a good fucking match. Like, exactly like Jesse said, the best versions, the best character, the best versions of these characters, like, I wish they could stay in NXT forever. You know the scene in Billy Madison where he grabs a little fat kid and he's like, stay here, never go, because he wants to go to high school? Like, that's how I feel about NXT. Just like, come on, just just, just stay here. Just, just stay here. <laughs> just be like, like, Tommaso, like Tommaso Ciampa. He's like, if I if they ever take me to the main roster, I'm going to quit because I only want to stay in NXT. Like, that should be everybody's goal if you get to I NXT. I agree, man. Point. I agree. Well, uh, since we're talking about versions of, of people... Um, let's go on over to the other show and the not so greatest version of the Dudleys here. It's Team 3D, but I will say the fa- the the promo was fantastic. Of course, uh, seems like a trend that the WWE guys are just cutting awesome promos on these these shows. Um, the package for them in AMW was great. I have a weird personal history with some of the with both the AMW guys, so it was a little strange watching it back. Um, a little biased for me. Um, but, you know, overall, like, I don't know. The AMW gear looked really cheap to me. I'm almost positive at this point these guys still didn't have a long-term deals and they were still working shot for shot. Um, it's kind of crazy, but I know they did it for... I know that they did it for years. So, that's... It's just wild. Uh, the Dudleys, I mean, working as faces, kind of... I, 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 I didn't... It felt this felt backwards to me. It felt flipped. It felt like AMW should have been the baby faces, the white meat baby faces, the homegrown baby faces. The Dudley should have been the condescending heels. The match would have felt better to me. Um, I don't know. I just the crowd was like dead as hell for it too, which is strange. Um, I, I I also didn't like that it was elimination. Like you had to get both of them through the. T- I don't know. There was just so many weird things that I didn't like about this match. I was se- severely let down. Uh, I gave it a beer. Uh, one beer from me. Wex, what do you think about 3D versus AMW in this tag team championship tables match? And actually, that's one thing I was going to point out. They said it was a non-title match basically last minute before the match. So it was actually wasn't even a title match, which was the dumbest shit ever, which I don't oh. understand. Yeah, I didn't they even said notice it, that. I guess yeah, I which I was like, okay, it's first, it's not going to be a non-title match, and it's an elimination table match. So off the get-go, I was like, all right. And I just thought it was way too long. They brawled for way too long, and then it yeah. just kind of like ended. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it, yeah. Like I don't know. It was just very. It just didn't do anything for me. One beer. I was just like, come on, let's just get to AJ Styles. I know that's coming up soon. Yeah, there was no arc in this match at all. It was just all one it was flat. As hell. It was just yeah. like put through the table. It was like 
3D. And there was a, oh, what about that 3D botch that the America's Most Wanted tried to do? That was fucking horrible. Like, oh, yeah. That just, actually, give, let me pour a half of that beer for that botch. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was yeah, it was not good at all. Jesse, what'd you think about this one, man? It, it, it was a wonder, uh, only because there, there was pre this show nostalgia for me as a fan of what I thought AMW could have done. Obviously, they never did. We're also, I mean, if you're really looking at this, you're only about a year out from good old Braden Walker and shit. And like, oh and it's, you know, Chris Harris leaving this and botching the rest of his career and all that fun stuff. Uh, they, they were, they were at the end of, they, they were past the end of their run here. They were past the end of being the, the homeboy guys in for the promotion. It just wasn't going to happen. I thought the Dudleys did really well in the sense of, you want to talk about carrying somebody the only oh, for sure, got carried, yeah. The only reason anything happened here is because they got carried. And there were a couple of things. Devon's weird leg drop spot through the table and stuff, I didn't, you know, I mean, I I, I thought there were there were a handful of things that I loved. However, you, we were also in sensory overload, even just thus far, from some of the ECW-laden elements of, <laughs> you know, yeah. left over from pro wrestling at this point in time, so... It, it was just it was hard to rate it higher than one. No, I agree, man. But let's you know what let's let's actually keep it here in TNA uh, and let's talk about the match of the night for me for sure. Um, we've already seen him on the NXT card, but it's Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles here for the TNA X Division Championship. Uh, the pre the package they had the production package they had before was actually really good considering their level of production at the time. I was pretty impressed by it. I thought the the lead-in package to the match was really good. Uh, man, Joe with those 2005 emo highlights in his hair, though. Gotta love that look, buddy. Love those... Their dog's those, hair dye. Was like, love <laughs> those cow patches you got going on there. That's nice, nice, Joe. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was, it was fast and brutal from the jump. This match was awesome, and it's exactly what I expected. Uh, that running shooting star to the outside is always <laughs> just insane. Um, Should have been main event. Definitely match of the night. Uh, hell, it could have maybe even been match of the year candidate in 2005. I'd, I'd actually like to go back and look and see if that was the case. But uh, I, I like Joe kind of stealing the win with a clutch, too. It didn't necessarily have to cheat, but it still felt dirty. You know what I mean? Like, it was completely clean, but it felt like he stole it. You know what I mean? Like, um, that, which is just great, great work. And I thought the, the post-match was good there, too, to kind of keep the angle going. It wasn't just a good bell-to-bell match. It was good. Uh, you know, work and booking and psychology to keep the angle going. Um, solid five and a half beers for me. Uh, there were a couple of clunky spots that kept it from being six. Uh, and these guys would go on to have definitely a full six-pack match, but this one wasn't quite the match that I've seen them have before. Still a fantastic match. I mean, five and a half. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on this one? Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Dude, this is a 12-pack to me, hands the fuck down. Uh, in, in terms of our rating, definitely a full six. And there reasons why being, to me, this was what TNA excelled at at the time. And I, I feel like a couple of things got them away from this, but it was such a perfect blend. Like, if you're talking a perfect brand, blend of brand, uh, <laughs> just bell-to-bell wrestling, mat wrestling, Crazy spots, both guys' styles, brutality, violence, and story the entire time. I just felt like it was ideal. It, it to me, it really was. It was like watching how everybody used 
what they needed to do during this match. The story leading in was great, but even without that package, if you watch Joe walk out and you watch how AJ and Joe are making the facials at each other in terms of how they're going to react, like, God, it was just, to me, it was just a very perfect blend. It was what TNA did well at the time, which came from Ring of Honor, honestly. It came, you know, I mean, it came from other places. I feel like the the original X Division to me was kind of that same pure rule of honor handshake concept where we're, we may brutalize each other a little bit or whatever, but I'm not really grabbing a whole bunch of shit to hit you in the head with, you know, like it's, we may brutalize each other, but it's because we're hitting the fuck out of each other at the time. (laughs) Like there are other things leading into this, so on and so forth. Where TNA fucked up their X Division to me came from after this. So this is yeah. like peak as far as I'm concerned. I, again, six beers all the fucking way. Lex, where you at on it, bud? I'm going to come in. I'm going to be kind of a somewhere meeting you in between. I'm going to go five beers. And every time I come in third, it's pretty much you guys have pretty much spit everything that I wrote down what I agree with. Like you said, it's a mix of everything. I, you know, I put down. We got high spots and stiff shots. So yeah, he had a little bit of, you know, he mixed it up. Did everything. You got to see all those classic AJ spots, like the running shooting star over the top rope and the the spiral tap. Is that what it was called? Yep. Mm-hmm. That fucking sick ass move that he never does anymore. And I did notice that Dom West called an Enziguri a Pele kick on a commentary from the outside. He goes, He did a Pele kick for the outside. I've never seen anything like that. And I was like, God, what the fuck? Like, how many bumps of Coke have you had tonight, dude? <laughs> and yeah, fuck it. It was AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe in their young, energetic days. I mean, if they, yeah, if sure. they faced a. Like, if they put on a match today in WWE today with them two and just, like, let them go at it, they could probably do about, like, 85% of that. But Oh, for sure. Well, they oh, did for sure. SummerSlam when Joe was antagonizing AJ's family and yeah. all that yeah. stuff. That wasn't even that long ago. No, I'm just talking good. about some of the crazier high spots, you know, like the flips and... Yeah. Some that, of that, uh, that, like, that springboard, like, lion salt into the reverse DDT is one of my favorite spots oh, that AJ yeah. ever did. And, like, he used to do it all the time back then, too. And to be honest, man... I know I'm in the minority here, but, like, I'm a fan of, like, clean-shaven, baby-faced, short-hair AJ Styles. Like, yeah, I like it. I loved it. I, like, it, that that was my shit. I loved it. Clean-faced, right. super super Christian, uh, cutting the promo that never heard the Austin 316 baby-face AJ. Yeah, I love it. I love it. He's still that, except for the whole clean-shaven thing. Yeah, he's he's still a sweet boy. He's still a sweet boy. Uh, let's 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 bump back over here to NXT though. 2015, we got Kevin Owens and Finn Balor uh, going. At, I guess it's like a rematch, right? This is Kevin Owens yep. trying to get his, his rematch for the NXT Championship in a ladder match? Why don't you go ahead and lead us off here, Wex? Lay it all out for us. I will lead you off, and I'm going to say one thing. You guys noticed pre-match, it showed, it showed Seth Rollins in the crowd on camera with the same mm. chick who leaked his nudes of his pecker. You yeah, remember that? True. She was she a Nazi, was too. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Pecker Hitler Peckergate up in here. Yeah, yeah. Hitler Peckergate. Pecker Nazi party for Seth Rollins pre-match. But, uh, yeah, so this match was fantastic. Like, for a ladder match, like, I think it's probably one of the better WWE ladder matches. And Kevin Owens is probably one of the reasons because he's had some of the greatest ladder matches I've ever seen in his career. Like, have you ever seen Steen versus Generico, Ladder War 4, Ring of Honor? Yeah, Jesus oh, yeah. Christ, like. 
he knows what he's doing. Apparently, that was Balor's first ever ladder match. That's what they said that. on commentary, which I would have never known if they wouldn't have said anything because he worked it like he knew exactly what he was doing. Like those dudes are just That's so wild. talented. You never had one in New Japan? No, I guess he never in his fucking career, which is crazy. Like that and is crazy. I, I must have missed that. I didn't think that was. I, I I would be less surprised about New Japan and more surprised about something in UK. Yeah, I, yeah like, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that that they kept they put that. Over, I, mean, I don't know if that was kayfabe or what, but they put it over like on commentary. That was Balor's first ever ladder match. And I noticed that Byron Saxon got it wrong. The whole crowd was doing the Sami Zayn chant, and he yeah. did the made fun of him for hurting his shoulder. He went, oh, oh and the crowd went boo, and yeah. then he goes. And then Byron was like, how dare he mock the NXT champion like that? But I guess that just went way the fuck over his head, and he didn't yeah, get it. But yeah. this might, like like I said, this match was fucking great, like, especially for a guy who's never done it. Like, they did some fucking crazy spots, like. But, like, one that I can think of right off the top of my head is when he went, it looked like he was going to set him up for that, uh, like, reverse suplex thing that he does off the top row, but he just basically reversed him, and he did a straight-up flatjack onto the ladder and, like, smacked the yeah. back of that looked fucking that's like one of the main ones i can like i swear i wrote more of these down but i guess i didn't but geez i mean i'm gonna go six beers six beers on this match fantastic full six full six really and at this time dude finn balor like dude he got he was so fucking hot at this time he was like the top of his game like i was a mark for finn balor at this time and to see what he went through like goes to the main roster gets an injury gets fucking like buried and fucked all the way super deep and then now back into nxt i guess he's he's now back the nxt champion like it's fucking great like who would have thought five years later he's back in nxt yeah i mean it is wild it's wild like five years later he's back in that same like picture too i mean he's still back on top I think he would benefit um, from just going to another company when his contract expires. I I agree. I agree. I could I could see that happening for sure. Especially maybe someplace that's already based in Florida. I mean, he's you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. Jesse, what do you think about this this one, dude? I I felt like after having seen both of these guys in so many different instances with similar styled opponents and things. I'm going to say this. I felt like they could tell more story in the match. Like, we've physically seen what they can both do. And a ladder match tends to be car crash. This wasn't as bad, but there was a lot of it. But, like, there really wasn't... I understand who was working face and heel. I get all that. But it really wasn't there. And you got to keep in mind, this same year, Kevin Owens had, you know come out with this whole thing of Sami Zayn got my spot first and my family started yeah. because of it and all this shit. Yeah. It, it's hard not to think about that stuff as you see what's led into this fight. And like, I thought I, it's look, I'm still saying four beers. I'm not saying it's a bad match. It's a fucking good match. I just think that it's not at the top of what either one of these guys could do given the time, maybe so given, you know, Finn Balor still working this demon thing. I think he was at the top of his shit. I'm not sure KO really knew how to work uh, against him in that element. I think there were some things going against him behind the scenes a little bit that probably got in his head, but it, it, I'm not saying you saw that too much. I'm yeah. just saying to me, it was, let me get out here. Let me show my ass instead of, let's tell this story and make it very engaging and interesting. And that was the one thing that was missing for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see that for sure. I mean, for me, I feel like this is just another list of like uh, wasted talents, especially with Balor. Um, you know, I don't think that he, you know, obviously did not live up to what he they expected him to be. I mean, they did have him in line for a massive push. He was, you know, always be remembered as the first ever Universal Champion. But like, you got hurt the night you won the title. And he was out for like a year, and he never really recovered from that. I mean, I know he had an IC run and everything, but like, there's no real. He he never recovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he absolutely never recovered from it. I mean, to to be fair too, though, like, okay, I know I'm in the minority here, but I never liked the demon thing. Like to me, it's like be one or the other, because to me, it's almost like it makes your matches when you're not the demon less valuable. I guess it's almost like it's it's like. I don't know. Just be one or the other. Be the demon or be the prince. Like, but don't that, do both. You know what I'm that's saying? Like, a parallel to today, possibly, maybe. Yeah. Now? Yeah, I agree. Be the fiend or be Bray Wyatt. Don't be, you know, just both of them See, in and out. I thought the demon was cool because he would only. I thought it was cool whenever he would only bring it out for like real big matches, not just like. You know, bring it out for every pay per view. That's just fucking lame. Like it was cool if right. it was. Like, once every like six months to a year if you see it like not something that's like you know yeah yeah no i mean i get it but i mean i don't know i feel like it's like you do it at some takeovers then you don't do it for others it almost like and i know this sounds weird to say but it, i don't know how else to say it it almost like seems like disrespectful to your opponents that you're not that you know what i'm saying it's like oh well you're not a big enough challenge for me to have to use that character you know what right. I'm saying? Like, so, and, and, and it undoes the face and heel dynamic too. Because if you do that to somebody, then it would be a heel move to be like, "Oh yeah, fuck you, I got you over a barrel." But then if you're a face, why are you switching? Yeah, no, I agree. I I fully agree with that. I fully. Well, agree the way that. they screwed him up is making it a character. Like when he did it in New Japan, it wasn't like the demon character. It was just like, "I'm gonna paint up for, for a big match because I want to look cool because it's a fun. It's a it's yeah. a big fucking match." He also just painted himself black, though, which you cannot do here. No, yeah, he definitely can't do that. <laughs> like, it was, he didn't really do the whole art thing for the most part. The first little while I did that, he literally just painted himself black. Yeah, which is not, uh, that would be frowned upon in these establishments. Um, well, we yeah. know, we, it wasn't a, he, he wasn't, uh, you know. We know what he was doing. It wasn't shoe, po- it wasn't shoe polish, I mean, we know what he was doing, come on. Now. <laughs> it wasn't shoe polish, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, yeah, all right, jumping back over here to the finale of the 2005 show. Uh, it's definitely not comparable to uh, the main event we just talked about, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll get through it. It's a package for Rhino and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I will say the package was pretty solid. It made me, it didn't make me kind of at least understand some of the, um, some of what was happening in those awful Jarrett promos earlier in the show. Um, and I gotta say, dude, Rhino did look fantastic here. I mean, he looked like a true, believable main event guy. He was playing to the crowd perfectly. He was really being a good, really doing the white meat baby face thing that Raven was not capable of doing, essentially. Uh, now, as far as Double J, I've just, I've never been a fan with that dude. Like, I mean, he's a super sweet, nice guy, but as far as, like, him on my TV, he has, like, go away heat with me. Like, I again, another guy that, like, I you could literally erase his entire career, and I would not miss him. There's not one match that, like, oh, I, you know, that's that Jeff Jarrett match. I couldn't do without it. You know what I mean? Like, that, all of his stuff could go. Um, that being said, like, it wasn't a bad match. Now, I, I don't like a lot. Like, a little bit of brawling in the crowd is fine. But, like, when the majority of your match is just crowd brawling, like, 
that as a as a TV fan, I feel like is not exciting. Maybe it's just me, but like I hate that. Like I'm just like I I, I plus especially in this arena, it really like I thought they shot it really well up until that point because then it's like then you really notice how small that crowd really is, and I felt like that was kind of hurtful for TNA, especially at this point because they're trying to climb out of like the Nashville day. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to get back into like uh, at least the number two spot. But for me, uh, I don't know. It was just it was a, it was a slow paced Southern style match that I feel I feel like personally only really works for tag team wrestling, but. It, it, on a main event one-on-one level, I didn't like this at all. I thought the post-match was the best part with the teasing of Sting and Scott Demore and Jarrett selling Jared that Sell. well. Um, but yeah, man. Overall, I gave it I gave it two and a half beers because I thought Rhino did a lot of really good work. Um, but that's about it. Jesse, where are you at on it? I gave it a one because it was the main event. <laughs> I, like. It could have been better had it had it been at a different spot. It could have been better had the whole, you know, I don't know, the belt thing been different or whatever. But I do love Rhino. I, You know, this seems to me like what Rhino could have looked like as a logical evolution after ECW going down had he been hired by a company that had enough money to, like, keep him in right, like, correct right. good storylines, you know. And um, it just unfortunately didn't work out that way. He yeah. is an intimidating bastard. He is a guy that like, you would believe is a great challenger. I'm not saying he should have won it. I'm just saying he's he is a very believable great challenger that would yeah. give somebody a threat. Jarrett's just trying to pull classic like I'm a blonde guy so I bleed a lot bullshit. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I would say a lot of the things that I say on on our podcast and everything else when I talk about wrestling come off rather territorial only because that's a lot of what I know and a lot of what I love. But I would think that the grandson of Teeny Jarrett, who has grown up with nothing but this, would be smart enough not to start the show out with a six-sided barbed wire massacre match and end the show with this fucked-ass weird bunch of fake brawling. bullshit, brawl, yeah. blood all over the place kind of stuff. It just... It, it defies what anyone in Southern territories would ever do. There's right. so much of it on the show. It just didn't yeah. make sense. So it was a big old one for me. Wex, what do you got on it? I thought this was I thought this match was a bloody fucking mess. Just a bunch <laughs> of stupid spots, like the big scaffolding spot with Rhino through the table. I do agree with you on Rhino. You know, he 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 looked great here. He was working great, but. I never liked Jeff Jarrett as champion as the owner of TNA. I always thought that was the wackest shit. Like, that's why I kind of think it's cool that Cody, I guess, made his own championship since he won't go for the world title to wrestle for. But I just think it's lame for the – because he booked himself to be the champion, like, how many times? Like, a lot. He wasn't, he wasn't the first one, so it's okay, right? <laughs> I guess so, but, I mean, there yeah. was a – and there was a big uh, I am the table spot on the with Rhino, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, though, it's kind of like, I mean, honestly, that part, as far as oh, Jarrett man. being the champion and being, like, in the main event, that's that's pretty classic Southern wrestling. I mean, most of the time, the owner is kind of, is going to have, I mean, look at, look at AWA, look at, like, I mean, WCCW, I mean, throughout yeah. the territory days, that was pretty standard. Uh, Lawler in Memphis, you know, like, I mean. I'm saying pick your side. You can't be one or the other. You can't you can't be the guy that's bringing in and doing all these other things that you know crowds aren't going to want to come back to see 
but then stick to the one weird thing where you're like, well, I got to have the belt because Lord knows I'm not going anywhere. Like, yeah, you know, like a contract is like you can figure that out. That didn't yeah, used yeah, to be yeah. the case in a territory. Right, 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 right. No, I agree. I, I'm just saying it was an, it was an outdated mentality even in 2005, but I at least understand the premise behind it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the fact that we got a pitcher a Stang at the end of the match, I'm going to give it a beer. There you go. All right, one beer. Well, overall, which way we which way are we leaning, guys? Are we leaning Turning Point 05 or are we leaning Takeover Brooklyn for the first time, 2015? When it comes down to it, I'm going to go Takeover Brooklyn 2015 because 2005 Turning Point was a little bit fucking crazy and wacky. <laughs> a little bit crazy and wacky. Had some nice moments, but I think I'm I'm doing the same. I'm going 2015 uh, with Brooklyn and NXT for sure. Jesse, where are you at on this kayfabe comparison? Yet again, opposite. You're going to go with 05? I feel like a lot of our ratings agreed, but if, if I'm looking at the card overall and what happened overall, man, I'm, I'm definitely going Turning Point 05. I, in terms of a whole show that would be enjoyable to watch, yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. A whole right. show that's enjoyable to watch? Wow. A man's entitled to his opinion. But I feel like every match on a... <laughs> Takeover was at least a halfway or better, at least. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But is wrestling only the matches? You're right. You're right. You're right. I get. I get what you're saying. We don't get. We didn't get any crazy, wacky shit. We didn't get any Bobby the Brain and Heenan. We didn't. We're getting take to baking school here. We didn't get our I'm just saying, if, if we were if we were going to sitting down and we were going to watch these shows without specifically the purpose of talking about them right now, and we're just like, hey, this would be real fun. Let's watch this show, or let's watch this show. We choose Our TNA first? immediately. We would choose TNA. You're right. Yep. That's yeah. why I go with. I guess that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. All right, next, boys. Well, next TNA show we have to do it against another obscure one too and not wwe from like the same time period like oh, I got oh yeah okay i'm sure i'm sure jesse does i'm sure he does we, okay what do you got what do you got what do you, what do you want to put on the board i feel like we should go off air because if i mention it right here it's a it's an there's no streaming service for it it only exists on youtube Ooh. okay 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 Ooh. we'll, we'll say if i say it then yeah yeah we don't we, we don't want to we don't want to cut off it. our cut off our harvest there before we we reap it. So, yeah, all right, well, we're, we're, we're going to talk about it off air. We'll have a nice little secret chat about it that you guys can't hear. Um, yeah, anyway, the, next week we're going to be covering AEW's Winter is Coming. Instead of – I know we talked about covering the ECW show. But we're going to save that. We're going to be covering the new t- AEW TV special, Winter is Coming, versus this weekend's NXT War Games. I'm really excited about a direct head-to-head AEW TNA uh, comparison. Wex, how you feeling about that one? Anything you're stoked to see particularly? I mean, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. Yeah. I am a super Kenny Omega mark, so I cannot fucking wait, and I'm really tired of seeing John Moxley with the title. And of course, you know, the War Games match is going to be fucking nuts. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get bloody. It's going to be cool. I'm super excited about it. Jesse, what do you think, man? I feel like NXT is going to continue to kill the gimmick. And by kill, I don't mean in that good way. Ooh. And then I also feel as though AEW, I'm excited to see Moxley not be the champion. I'm not so excited to necessarily see that match. What I am excited for is their little reveal, because obviously that's coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, any, yeah. Thoughts on, any thoughts on what that might be? Any predictions here? Kenta. 
You think that's going to be Keno? I do. What about you, Lex? What do you think? I don't love it, but that's what I think. Yeah. What the AEW's reveal? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was they teasing somebody. Yeah, the guy that attacked Moxley. Oh, the guy that yeah. attacked Moxley? I just thought it was going to be... Uh, I don't know who it was going to be. Kenta does make sense because he's the U- he's got the briefcase for the U.S. title. Yeah. And I feel like right now we're about to see an AEW Impact New Japan NWA Super Wrestling Mega Faction. Because I don't like that's, that seems what's ha- that's like what's going on right now. Maybe so. You're getting Maybe I mean you're so. getting a little bit of NWA Impact and New Japan all mentioned on AEW shows. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a win. I mean I think that AEW is doing a great job kind of being the hub and the voice for other indie promotions. I think it's really helping to serve them well too. I think it's a win-win. Um, I like what they're doing there. I think it's obvious that we're all AEW marks here. So that's going to do it for us this week, though. My name is Mr. Know It All, Daniel John Schaefer. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak on all social media platforms, as well as at KFabe.com. Jesse Baker, where can people find you? At Jesse Baker Nash on both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, you can just look me up. I'm probably saying something you don't like. I love it. Lex, where can people find you? What you got going on, man? Uh, you can find me at Breaking the Lawson on Instagram. On, on <laughs> Breaking the Lawson on Instagram. You can also check out my YouTube channel for wrestling reviews and videos and fun shit. Wex Breaking the Lawson. Lawson Wex on Twitter and just Wex Lee on Facebook. I try to keep a low profile, you know. Yeah, be sure to give him a follow on Instagram, not Instagram. I'm pretty sure that's like a mature, mature dating app. I'm not really sure. Hey, yeah, uh, it's 2020. We might all need help. <laughs> we might all need some help. That's going to do it for us. We will see you guys next week. We're out. Peace.